Live from the heartland and the crossroads of America, it's Tony Katz today. There's some audio I wanted to play for you, but even with editing, I didn't think I could get it passed on the air. Because without the with the editing, you might not have the full context of what's happening in our schools. And how I have, for months now, resisted the idea of labeling anyone asking about what well, books that could be read in school and things happening in school as a, as a groomer. The idea of the term groomer comes from the idea that people are out there trying to groom young children to get them ready for sexual relationships. The whole reason to push transgender this and and uh, identity that and drag queen this is to uh, be able to groom children for sexual relationships. I have opposed the term, not the reality that this is in play, because to follow this show is to know that this is a subject we've been discussing for years. I don't claim to be the first to it. I do make the claim that we were early into the conversations of it. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today. 833, got Tony. 833-468-8669. For me, this conversation started in in this recognition of why would you allow a child to make the decision of when they get an abortion? Why would that ever be allowed anywhere? That children can get abortions without notifying their parents. Why would you allow that? Well, what if the parent is is the one who raped the child? Whoa! Okay, certainly possible in a horrific world, but disgusting. Also, not the case in the vast majority of cases, Why would you allow children to make this decision on their own? And you realize that a decision like this is about the concept of agency. About the idea that a child is able to make decisions for themselves. And if they can make that medical decision for themselves, what other medical decisions can they make for themselves? And if they can make their own medical decisions, well, then certainly they can make their own decisions about voting and children should be allowed to vote and and they should be allowed to get that done. And if they can make their own medical decisions and they can make their own voting decisions, then surely they can make decisions about whom they love and how they love them. When I first started really breaking that down and understanding the horror of what's behind that, I was walking around Central Park. I was on the Upper East Side or walking towards the Upper East Side. Just in a conversation, smoking a cigar, as I often do. Seeing that the road had no other end but this one, this exact end. And we watch now People wanting to abuse children. 
looking to abuse children and certainly looking to end the relationship between the child and the parent. Well, the child has decided this. Uh, these are their pronouns. See, it's something else that the child can decide. Agency. But we don't tell the parent. We cleave. We rip apart the relationship between the parent and the child because the parent shouldn't have any say. After all, they're not experts in child rearing. We are. Why? Because we went to some fakakta nonsense university and got a stupid piece of paper that says we know best as opposed to a couple of millennia of parents raising children. That's what the elitists tell us. I have given up even thinking there's an inappropriate time to use the term groomer. I can no longer be concerned with such a thing. Those people abusing kids, hiding actions from parents encouraging children to engage in levels of self-abuse. You think a child should be able to determine their own gender? Those people cannot defend themselves, and it is sure as hell not up to me or you to make their life any easier. I always start from a position of making sure we understand the language that we're using and the reason to use it. The purposefulness of the language being everything. Words have meaning and they must be utilized accurately. But I cannot and I will not get on anybody's case for utilizing this language ever again. The story talks about a school in New York. Believe it, oh, sorry, Chicago, not New York. The school is the Francis W. Parker School and an undercover video by Project Veritas. The dean of students, Joseph Bruno, is bragging about passing around inserted sexual toys, implements. I, I can't use the terminology. I, 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 I just don't think I'm allowed to use it. Insertable sexual toys passing around to 14 to 18-year-olds. And the kids are like, what is this? And how does it work? And he's proud to have brought in the LGBTQ plus health center to teach queer sex, quote unquote, to minors. I'll give you one of the lines that he uses. They're learning about, uh, look, look, if you can't handle this, uh, turn, turn down your radio for 10 seconds. Ready, begin. This guy, Joseph Bruno, Dean of Students, Francis W. Parker School, teaching kids about using lube versus using spit. I think that's as, as detailed as I can go or I'd ever want to go. But you have to understand what it is that's happening here in a high school where parents pay $40,000 a year for the kid to attend. And this dean thinks that this is a, you know, really like cool part of my job. If you are sharing sex toys with kids, well, then you're going to get the groomer 
uh, moniker, and that's all there is to it. I can't help you. I'm not going to try. It's your problem. If you're sharing sex toys or your sex life with students, you're going to get the groomer tag, and that's all there is to it, and I can't help you, and I don't want to. If you feel the need to share your sex life with students, well then, you're the problem. Also, if you refer to these kids as your kids, you are the problem because they're not your kids and they will never be your kids, especially when you violate the trust of parents as you do. Not all. Oh, dear gosh, not all. But man, this is becoming a thing. How many more cases do we have to see until other teachers stand up and say, stop it? We are told that good cops need to stand up to bad cops and say no more. Where the hell are the good teachers? You're out there. I know you're out there. Stand up. Yeah, you might lose your job. But we'll do the rest to make sure that that other teacher loses theirs and a couple others. The unions don't know that this is wrong. If you're a teacher and you think you have the right to share your sex life with students, you are not somebody who should be near students. And if you're a teacher watching this happen around you and you're not standing up to it, you're part of the problem. You're part of the problem. When the video came out from Project Veritas, Ben Bradley, who is a reporter in Chicago for WGN News, tweeted out, an elite private school in Chicago is defending itself after a group known for deception posts video that appears to show a dean saying students were shown sex toys in school. Known for deception? They took the video and shared the video. And it's not that the the dean appears saying students were shown sex toys in school. He's freaking bragging about it. It isn't that it appears. It's that it happened. Exactly as described. And you can check out Project Veritas for more. No appears, no seems, just facts. This is what the progressives are doing. Thus, the groomer tag. You know, I've said this before, and and, um, I I, I not only hold it to be true and factual, I I, I will double down. Man, gay Americans got screwed. Because gay Americans, going back to uh, the fights at Stonewall, going uh, to the village of Manhattan... They were engaged in a fight to be able to live their lives as they see fit. Today's groomer is hell-bent on abusing your children. There's a difference between the two things, you know? There's a difference between a man who loves another man, wants to live their lives as adults, the way they see see fit, and they don't want to be abused for it, and they don't want to lose their job for it. That's different. And the argument there was, we just want to be equal. Well, certainly, that's no longer the argument from the people who wave the flag that they've also bastardized. 
I have never been a big fan of gay pride flags. The idea that there would be a... It's awkward. And as Ralphie May, the late comic, explained, who the hell are you to steal the rainbow? It's a rainbow. I got the rainbow. I want my rainbow back. It's a great, great routine. Ralphie May was ahead of his time. But now... The gay pride flag has nothing to do with being gay. It has to do with being a part of a political movement. And that political movement, that progressivism, involves the abuse of children. And if you don't actually uh, ascribe to all the tenets of the political movement, you're out, including if you're a gay man or gay woman. And I feel bad for them. Because there are plenty of gay men and gay women who aren't down with the transgender this and certainly don't believe in the grooming of kids that. Of course not. Just like there are plenty of teachers who don't believe in this stuff and find it despicable. Well, they all got to stand up. They all got to fight. And as for this uh, Dean, this guy still has a job? Well... Uh, that's parents who are paying a lot to have their children uh, be subjected to a whole bunch of nonsense. Well, Tony, the schools don't teach them. How will they learn about sex toys? I swear to you, if that's your question, you've solved all the other problems in the world. The answer is they might learn. But it isn't for 14-year-olds to be taught by teachers. It's just not. What can I say? I've got standards. Keep it here. I'm Tony Katz. I think we'll see a substantial reduction in inflation in the year ahead. It's going to take a year. Well, I believe by the end of next year, you will see much lower inflation if there's not a, an unanticipated shock. Well, good thing that this was the White House that told us that inflation was transitory. I mean, just another lie and another lie and another lie. Tony Katz. Tony Katz today. Bloomberg reporting. U.S. vegetable prices soar nearly 40% as water cuts crush supply. What do you mean water cuts? What cuts to water are you remotely talking about? Are you talking about the idea that there's been less moisture, there's been less rainfall or less snow uh, that that has engaged melt? Are, are we putting it on on that, or are we putting it on rules and regulations that have prevented farmers from properly being able to water their crops? Look what we did in Central California. Now people who used to grow our food are importing carrots from China. Prices continue to go up with absolutely no end in sight. As we know, the trade was made, and Brittany Griner, WNBA, is, is back in the U.S. And yes, I'm one of the people who says this deal is questionable. Not a good deal. One for one. It's not just me. The Department of Justice says the same thing. And part of the issue here is that if you engage these kinds of things where a nation takes an American citizen 
and you're not able to apply pressure to get a multiplicity of citizens back, in this case, Paul Whelan, or, or the, there are some others that are being kept in, in Russia, you're giving kind of a, a tacit endorsement to the idea of kidnapping. Chuck Todd asked this question of NSC coordinator John Kirby. And John Kirby is like, well, yeah, there's, there's going to be more kidnappings. There's going to be more kidnappings. Uh, that much is going uh, to to happen. Me out. Hard stop. But as you know, how does this not only encourage more kidnappings of prominent Americans if they go overseas? Sadly, kidnappings and wrongful detentions are not something new. Brittany was not the first one, mm-hmm. clearly. Um, and there will be more, sadly, going forward. And we- Yes, there will be more, sadly, going forward. Because when Martha McCallum asked him about this, his answer... But just in general, John, about this kind of policy of of letting people go who are dangerous in order to get Americans back, does it not encourage more abductions, more taking prisoners in order to use them to get these people back? To some degree, Martha, that ship has sailed. I mean, this is not a a, a new tactic for Mr. Putin, this idea of wrongfully detaining Americans in return for to try to get somebody else back or to get some other concession. Uh, This is part of Mr. Putin's playbook. That ship has sailed. This is just the way it is now. That in and of itself is a problem. As opposed to instilling fear into other nations. Pax Americanus. You don't touch an American. Somehow that's not what we do. Not not the approach that is taken. I find that to be rather problematic. But not as ridiculous as the people over there at MSNBC who said, you know, um, Brittany Griner would not have been kidnapped if it wasn't for the massive pay disparity. MSNBC on Twitter, if it weren't for a maddening pay disparity, Brittany Griner almost certainly would not have been in Russia because she makes more in Russia than she makes with the WNBA in the United States. The question is, what pay disparity do you want to do away with between the WNBA and the NBA? Is, is that your, your, your argument? Well, uh, allow me. Um, the WNBA makes no money. It's an NBA welfare state. It's always going to be that way because Americans have proven that they are not interested in spending money on women's basketball. Unless, of course, they're gambling. Now, this is not the case with, let's say, women's soccer, which, as a pro league, does have an audience and can grow an audience. But that's, again, not connected to representing the nation when we talk about the U.S. women's national team or the men's national team, where if you want to pay each equally, I can see that. But as leagues... You don't have the audience. That's it. And it's because the competition isn't as good, and people won't pay for it, and people won't sponsor it. So there's always going to be a pay disparity. That's just the way that goes. But that's not why she was taken in Russia. I'm Tony Katz. I am fully aware that I have a penchant for talking about the things that nobody else is talking about. I'm I'm absolutely aware of it. Everybody's got, this is the only story in America. And I'm like, yeah, but what about these things over here? It's it's what makes us different, guys. It's that we're, we're talking about all of it and we're not letting anything 
get past to the very best of our ability. That doesn't mean some things don't. It means to the very best of our ability, we're making sure that we're covering the subjects that matter. And one of those subjects is the border. And it got really brushed under the rug that there was Joe Biden in Arizona and he's not going to the border. And Joe Biden said there are things, he's got better things to do, more important things to do. If you ask me, does someone have to go to the border to know what the problem is? I would tell you no, they don't. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today. It's good to be with you. Find everything, TonyKatz.Locals.com, TonyKatz.Locals.com. The phone number, 833-468-8669, 833-GOT-TONY. I've, I've never believed it. It's like, does somebody have to wear an American flag pin to be a, a proud American? The answer is no. No, they don't. I don't wear an American flag pin. It's not a conversation of whether or not it proves or disproves that I am a, uh, a proud American. But when it comes to the border, I don't care if you've showed up. I care if you do something about it. If you recognize the problem, and Joe Biden and the Biden administration do not, they don't recognize the problem. They don't care that there is a problem. As we have discussed numerous times, with people like Representative Ocasio-Cortez. Representative Ocasio-Cortez never, ever, ever cared about what's going on at the border, and she doesn't care about children. I'll say that again for the people in the cheap seats. Representative Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez does not care about children being dragged across the border. She does not care what physical harm befalls them. She does not care about the coyotes and the rape trees. She doesn't care. How do I know this? How can I, Tony Katz, say such a thing about a person? When Donald Trump was president, she went down to cry at the border. At a a fence, right? There she was. The pictures of her weeping by a fence. But there were no children where she was. No children where she was. It was a photo op. And that she has, over the two years that Joe Biden stunningly has been president of the United States, she has not gone to the border. Now, there's a trip I don't know about, man. I'll be the first guy to apologize. But you don't hear her talking about the children being kept in cages. Yeah, No more cage talk from Representative Ocasio-Cortez. Proving that everything she said regarding the border while President Trump was president was theater. Every last bit of it was theater. And no part of it was about her caring. So if we're going to now engage this as a conversation of theater, you would think, hey, Biden, show up to the border. You can show people you're serious about the border. And that's a good thing. I don't need him to show up to the border. I need him to do things about the border. I would not get rid of Title 42. I would recognize that Title 42 is a ridiculous stopgap measure. Title 42 is what allows the United States to say, hey, we have this health emergency. Oh, let's call it COVID. And therefore, because of the health emergency, we can just send people back, send them out of the country and done, finished, fine, goodbye, get out. There it is. Right? It gives you that leeway. The problem is, 
is that it does not solve the problem on the southern border. Bill Malugan over there at Fox News has video. You can follow him at Bill Fox LA because that's where he comes from, Fox LA. I think that's where he's still actually employed. I don't think he's with Fox News just yet. Maybe he is, and I don't know it. A huge migrant caravan of over 1,000 people crossed illegally into El Paso, Texas last night, making it the largest single group we have ever seen. The city of El Paso reports Border Patrol now has over 5,000 in custody and has released hundreds to city streets. I don't need Biden to actually go about doing the arresting. I need him to recognize that the southern border is a problem, that he has not stopped the flow of illegal immigration, that he has encouraged the flow of illegal immigration, and it needs to end. To end. Where is, if, if we are going to pretend that these people care when they don't, Let us call them to the carpet about their total lack of caring. Let us be clear about this. And we do that by not giving up on the conversation, not letting it get pushed to the side when it is a front and center subject. Representative Claudia Tenney, who is out of New York, has legislation to use increased IRS spending for strengthening the border. It's called the DIRECT Act. Would redirect new IRS funding to the border to combat the incoming flow of drugs and illegal immigrants. Of course, the drug conversation is a big one, specifically fentanyl. And people will try and respond to this by pointing to the Cato Institute saying, oh, look, look, see, the fentanyl is being brought in by United States citizens for United States citizens. Look, the vast majority of it. Well, let's argue that first that that's very possible, if not indeed true, that you have people who are trying to smuggle fentanyl into the United States for their own use or for the use of some suburban housewife somewhere. I'm not picking on suburban housewives. There are plenty of uh, suburban house husbands, too, and probably some suburban pool boys. I'm saying that fentanyl kills, and we're finding it in everything, and children are dying. And I can show you to Washington, I think it's Washington Times reporting, that talks about the cartels getting involved. So clearly, it's not solely and exclusively Americans smuggling it in for the use of themselves and others. That they know it is getting into a generalized drug trade. And certainly you could stop some of it, not necessarily all of it, by putting an end to illegal immigration. Which is why I will not discuss any of the things that the political left wants to talk about regarding the border. This so-called deal between, is it, is it cinema and, oh, I forget, I forget the name of the, Tom Tillis. Tom Tillis, that's it, of North Carolina. We're going to do something about the Dreamers. No, nothing gets done about the Dreamers until you have a secure border. Nothing. Nothing at all. Secure border first, then everything else can come after that. We no longer allow illegal immigration, and we will do everything in our power to bring it down to as close to zero as possible. If that means a fence, if that means a wall, if that means sharks with freaking laser beams on their head, so be it. There was once a comic who talked about what we should do with the, with the Rio Grande River of Gas. That was the comic's uh, I, idea. Every now and then it just gets lit up, and you're like, Tony, that's disgusting. Okay, fine. 
It's disgusting. But I'm trying to share with you that we need to do something about the border. And I think it is more disgusting to leave a border open and to encourage coyotes and the rape. What can I say? I'm a guy with an opinion too. But we're not doing far uh, in a way enough uh, about the border. And we certainly can't be engaging conversations about the people who have broken the law until we do something about the actual border itself. Titled, Diverting IRS Resources to the Exigent Crisis Through Funds. Meaning direct. They always got a weird name for stuff. It, it does. Uh, and so they're, what they're saying is, my, what my bill simply does is say, don't hire 87,000 new IRS agents. It can be directed to the border where we really need the assistance. Now, just a quick thing about the IRS agents. We're going to trade IRS agents for, for Border Patrol agents. Oh, okay, sure. I want to get rid of the IRS completely. You, you know this about me. But we should just, just to be clear, the hiring of 87,000 new IRS agents isn't about doubling the, the total number of IRS agents, but rather it's about replacing some IRS agents and a fair amount of them who will no longer be uh, there. They're going to retire out, etc. So they need to be replaced. So that's where a fair amount of that number goes. Is there any question as to whether or not the political left looks to engage more audits? None. Zero. That's part of the plan. Auditing everyday Americans is 100% part of the plan. If it wasn't part of the plan, you wouldn't be pushing PayPal and Venmo and others to say, oh, you spent more than $600? Well, we're tracking this, we're tracking that, we're tracking the other. Screw you and your life in the gig economy. Screw you making a couple more bucks to feed your family and do other things with inflation going out of control. Screw you in general. That's what the political left has said. So we know that this move within the IRS is going to lead to more problems for uh, uh, American citizens. We know that that this is the case. But I just wanted to be clear about what was going on with the totality of the 87,000 border agents. That said, I'm fine with putting more money towards border security than the IRS. Then again, I'm also the guy who would abolish the IRS. So what can I say? I'm, I'm simple people. So that's Claudia Tenney. Then you've got other stories about Republicans are going to to uh, seal the border, or secure the border, I should say, once and for all. This is House Republicans from Texas. You've got Texas uh, a- as a state saying, we're done with this. And we are not going to be listening to the White House here. We're going to do something about this. Because we believe that the federal government has failed on Article 4, Section 4, that you'll protect the country from invasion. There are some rather smart lawyers, John Yu being one of them, who are like, yeah, that dog won't hunt. Now, because the Article 4, Section 4 conversation has been one of my talking points for, for years. If you take a look at Article 4, Section 4 of the United States Constitution... It reads, uh, very, very uh, easy to read. The United States shall guarantee to every state in this union a Republican form of government and shall protect each of them against invasion and on application of the legislature or of the executive when the legislature cannot be convened against domestic violence. In my view, you have an invasion as per Article 4, Section 4. Others disagree because what they will argue is that what you you have 
is the president of the United States in charge of this policy. The president decides immigration policy. And and I've discussed this before, and I and I and I and I understand that to be true. And so it was John Yu Y O O writing at National Review why Texas cannot treat illegal immigration as an invasion. And he goes through a series of, of points, and I will give the man the respect. I, I would tell you uh, to to go read it. He is not saying that the border isn't the problem. He's saying the response by saying uh, that you can utilize Article 4, Section 4, and demand this repelling of people doesn't work because he relies on Article 1, Section 8 of the Constitution, which grants Congress authority, quote, to establish a uniform rule of naturalization, followed up by the fact that the Supreme Court recognizes that the federal government's inherent powers of national sovereignty, such as conducting foreign relations, as he writes, protecting the national security and controlling the border. In a series of immigration laws, Congress ordered the executive branch to detain aliens entering the country illegally, providing hearings for those claiming political asylum, and to remove those without valid grounds to remain in the United States. His argument is one of soundness because he's saying that the Constitution says X and therefore Congress did Y. But I think that the Article 4 conversation does indeed remain. Because the idea that you can't call this invasion, I would argue, is only predicated on the idea that you don't want to call it invasion. That it isn't a uniformed military that it's not a uniformed enemy, I don't know if that is necessarily a case that can be made. Now, there could be cases where, or case law that has come before the Supreme Court, settled by the Supreme Court, that would would prevent that. As you argues, an originalist interpretation of invasion would exclude the border crisis. When he writes, while some drug cartels are using the flow of aliens across the border to conceal their illegal activities, the vast majority of those entering Texas are doing so for economic reasons. The border crisis, awful as it is, does not create an imminent danger, he writes. I disagree. He then uses Article 1, Section 10, which addresses situations when foreign nations attacked states and there was no time for the federal government to come to the rescue. Hence, the triggering clause for cases where states are, quote, in imminent danger as will not admit of delay. Thus, he claims that the border crisis does not create an imminent danger. I disagree. I believe that we are in the imminent danger. Not imminent, we are in the danger. We're in it. We live it we're living in it right now. That would be my argument. He's making a, a sound argument based on the Constitution, and I believe that his sound argument is predicated on definitions that one could clearly argue he's mistaken about. And I say this about a guy who's got a much better legal reasoning, a standing, an understanding, I should say, than I do. But someone better at the legalese than I could also have this conversation. So however that legal fight goes with Texas, it goes. But the problem at the border remains. And the lack of of doing something from the Biden administration remains. And the lack of caring from people like Representative Ocasio-Cortez and the whole of the left about children and women 
remains. And whether those children or women are from other nations or from the United States. Facts that cannot be denied. Others are not talking about the border. They're too busy talking about Lord only knows what. Something probably with the Kardashians or Kanye or whatever. We discuss it all because it all matters greatly. Keep it right here. I'm Tony Katz and this is Tony Katz Today. Your Christmas gifts are taken care of because, well, we've got a book signing going on. It's going to take place in Brownsburg, Indiana. Smoker's Choice, fantastic humidor. Smoker's Choice on Green Street in Brownsburg, Saturday, December 17th. From 4 to 6 p.m., we will have copies of Let's Go Bourbon. That is my bourbon book uh, with Fingers Malloy. We will sign them for you. You can purchase them right there. We've got some Eat, Drink, Smoke. That's my cigar and bourbon show. Swag uh, that, that we'll be selling. We'll be smoking cigars, hanging out. Looking forward to it. 4 to 6 p.m., Smoker's Choice in Brownsburg. Is where you go. You can follow everything, find everything. Go to eatdrinksmokeshow.com, eatdrinksmokeshow.com, and you can find out all uh, about it. And I only hope that you will. What happened with the Indianapolis Public Library and why do I think it's an issue? That's coming up. Keep it here. I'm Tony Katz.